604 on Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder. The AM Revolution. I'm Joe Paris. And it's time for News Underground with Joe Paris. As well as Joey Prechtel, who has a dumbfounded look on his face as he's never used a pair of headphones before. Joey, you plug the headphones into the headphone jack. Where's the headphone jack? Right in front of you. Oh, my God. All right. Hold on. Should we say why we're late starting the show? Or do you want to? I'm trying to find this headphone Okay, jack. well, I'll talk about it then. We saw our friend Tom Mustin of CBS4 Denver over on... The other end of campus, Tom Mustin is a anchor on the weekends, and he's a reporter during the week for CBS4 down in Denver. He was actually up here doing a show, or he was not doing a show. He was doing a report for CBS4, and so we talked to Tom as Joey hits his face on the microphone. So hopefully Sorry, Tom's definitely not listening because he's actually working right now, and I actually think we were bothering him from getting his work done. So shout out to Tom. Oh, and my laptop's not going to work today, Joe. Oh, my goodness, Joey. Hold on. What a great start to this show. A historic weekend <coughs> as American Pharaoh captured the Triple Crown. Joey just smashed his laptop. Oh, my God, there's there's glass everywhere. Joey, you can't break a laptop. Hey, it works now. That's what gets my laptop to work. Wow, good for you. American Pharaoh captured the Triple Crown the first time in a long time. 1978. It's over 30 years ago. 37. That's 37 years ago. But the biggest question is... Do you know the horse that last won it? Yeah, I do. Wasn't it like Secretariat or something? No, that was in nineteen seventy. Okay, it was a dumb name. It was like Confederate or something. Uh, it was Affirmed. Affirmed and then Seabiscuit. I don't think Seabiscuit ever won. Oh, yeah? You want to bet? Not... I mean, no. Well, not after Affirmed. I know that for well, a guess fact. Guess what? Seabiscuit didn't win the Triple Crown. <laughs> yeah, it was Seattle Slough. So. I was wrong. It was Affirmed, Seattle Slough, Secretariat, Cytron, Assault, Count Fleet, Whirl Away. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things going on in the world. But the biggest question about American Pharaoh and jockey Victor Espinoza is how much Monster Energy Drink were they drinking? before the race because I think they might have had an unfair competitive advantage. Has anyone checked that horse for Monster Energy drink? That definitely cannot be allowed. Should horses drink monster? Should animals drink Monster Energy drink? Should humans drink Monster Energy drink? I don't think so. Hmm. Well, <coughs> you ever wondered what's in Monster Energy drink, Joey? Uh, well, you know, I used to be a big drinker of it. Back when I was, like, a sophomore in high school, just because it was, like, you know, the cool new energy drink. Actually, no, it was introduced in April 2002. To me, it was the cool new energy drink. I just witnessed it, seen it, you know, and I was like, oh, monster. If I drink that, I'm going to be a monster, so I got to drink it. And uh, then that's when I got a lecture from my parents on the dangers of over-consuming energy drinks. And... Um, so, yeah, eventually I also learned about just how bad mon energy drinks, and not just monsters, but energy drinks in general, are for you. And so, I mean, I pretty much cut them all off together. What about soda? Yeah, I really don't drink soda at all either. <coughs> Have you seen the sugars in soda? People think diet soda is better for you, but, on, I mean, everything I've seen, I haven't done a whole lot of research into, like, diet soda and, like, regular soda. But everything I, I've seen so far it says that diet is worse for you than actual soda. Because there's chemicals, chemicals in it. 
Yeah. Yeah, but that's what you see with anything that's like non-fat, low-fat. Uh, you see, if you take a second while you're grocery shopping to look at the ingredients, it's low fat or non-fat because of all these extra chemicals. And then, I mean, if there's something on the ingredients list that like you can't pronounce, maybe not buy the product. I'm just saying. Maybe. Well, that would be literally almost everything in the grocery market. <clears throat> no? There's so much ish in everything. Are you kidding? Not the stuff what? I buy. Well... Okay. Well, then that's why you're healthier than me. I try. So, did you want to know what was in Monster Energy Drink, though? Yeah. Are you curious what's in it? I would like it? to know. Okay. I'm just reading from the label here. Not the real label, though, because I wouldn't buy that, because that would kill me. That would stop my heart, Joey. Okay. Ingredients include carbonated water, sucrose, glucose, natural flavors, taurine, which we'll get to in a second, uh, sodium citrate, We'll just we'll just skip the good ones. Okay, let's go. <coughs> Are you ready? What about Panax ginseng Niacin- root extract? Well, I'm getting to that. Oh, okay. Niacinamide, sodium chloride, which is I think what they use to torture terrorists. Glucerin loctrone. You did a pretty good job pronouncing that word. Pyroxidine, riboflavin, maltodextrin, and cyanocoblamin. If I said to you, hey, Joey, would you like a dose of pyrodexine? <coughs> Probably wouldn't want that. Probably not. So I guess our friendly PSA for the night, don't drink bad things for you. But how? Okay. Just, just drink in moderation. How if you are a horse <coughs> jockey, why are you using, why is Monster Energy Drink your... Get like a fine whiskey or something. Get like yeah, especially for a horse racing. Johnny Walker to sponsor yeah. you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Why are you having a mo- okay? And then Monster Energy Drink also sponsors the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Not the Dodgers. Not the Dodgers. Why? Okay, if you're a Major League Baseball team, why would you want a sponsor for your team that if your players drank it, it would probably kill them? I mean, I wouldn't go as far to say that drinking Monster is going to kill someone. I mean, I have a good friend down in Lakewood. He's actually a personal trainer uh, for 24-Hour Fitness, and he is a he drinks Monster uh, every once in a while, the no-carb Monster or low-carb. I don't know. He said something about no-carb or low-carb Monster Energy Drink. And, uh, I mean, the guy is in great shape, so... I mean, drinking Monster is obviously, like, if you drink in, ex- in excess... It's going to be bad for you, but if you do that with really anything, it's going to be bad for you. Even water, if you drink too much water, can be bad for you. So, I mean, I wouldn't go as far to say, like, drinking monsters is going to kill you. Just drink in moderation. I didn't say that. I didn't say it was going to kill them. <laughs> I implied it. You implied it. <sighs> so there you go. For all of you out there wondering what was in Monster Energy Drink. <coughs> the weather. Actually been pretty decent the last few days. It's beautiful today. Tonight's forecast, isolated showers and thunderstorms. Partly cloudy with the low around 55 and some wind coming out of the west. Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near uh, 88. West wind becoming calm throughout the day. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a low around 56 degrees. Northwest wind about 6 miles per hour throughout the day. And Wednesday, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms throughout the day. Partly sunny skies with a high near 83. (coughs) A 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. 
Yesterday, I think, was the first day where it really didn't thunderstorm to the point where I thought it was going to die in the parking lot. Oh, really? See, I was down in Aurora yesterday, and man, we, we, they got a big thunderstorm. Boulder didn't, which is nice. A lot of lightning, a lot of thunder, a lot of rain. I think it even started to hail down in Aurora. When I left the show here on Friday, after you and I talked in the parking lot for an hour, uh, I went to our local Hazel's, and I got myself some adult beverages. And then I am going to walk out of the store, and some lightning <coughs> hits the parking lot while I'm standing at the like the Jedi drawers that just kind of open for you. The Jedi. <laughs> the Jedi doors? Is that what you call them? Yeah, that's what I call them. What? It's pretty great. You never heard me calling that before? No. Okay. I've never heard you say that. I know when I was a kid, I used to go like... Whoosh. Yeah, that's, I still do that. <laughs> um, anyways, and then I kind of just stood there, and I was like, should I stand here and wait, or should I run? But there was some people in the same circumstance I was in, and they were just running to their cars. <laughs> just running? So I was like, well, if they're doing it, I might as well give it a shot, so... And then uh, I want to go back to the whole monster thing. Oh. Just for a second, Joe. Okay, back to Monster Energy Drink. We let This was done, but now we're bringing it back. Just because I uh, wanted to update how you said uh, drinking monster can kill you. And I was like, well, probably not. But in December 2011, 14-year-old Anais Fournier died of cardiac arrhythmia due to caffeine toxic- toxicity. After drinking two 710 milliliter cans of Monster Energy drink containing a combined amount of 475 milligrams caffeine, Fournier had a pre existing heart condition as well as Ehlers Danlos syndrome. And in October 2012, her parents sued the company, but Monster insisted that the energy drink played no role in the death of Fournier. And then a Freedom of Information request revealed that from 2004 to 2012, the FDA had received reports of five deaths occurring after drinking Monster Energy. Speaking of things that can kill you, but usually don't, did you hear about that Boston Red Sox fan that was hit by a broken bat? I did, There was a Boston Red Sox fan who was struck by a broken bat that went flying into the crowd uh, on Friday night's game between the Red Sox and I think it was the A's. The A's. The yes. A's. And uh, the woman, actually, over the weekend, there was some concern that she actually might not survive the weekend. But actually, uh, I was reading a report today that her condition has actually been upgraded um, from serious to fair as she continues to re- uh, improve. So it actually looks like she's going to be all right. She's going to survive this, and she's hopefully going to make a full recovery. Um, yeah, that's a scary situation there, though. Oh, definitely. You know, I, uh, I remember when I first heard about it, I think I was – just getting done grocery shopping i got in my car I turned to 104.3 the fan and they were talking about something just something about the dangers of going to a professional sporting event you know because we've heard about being at a hockey game and like you know being hit with the puck and then you know you've heard about baseball getting hit with a foul ball i don't know if anyone's ever seen um fever pitch with jimmy fallon and drew barrymore but you know in the movie she got tagged drew barrymore gets hit with the foul ball because <clears throat> she's like on her laptop or working or whatever and so, like, the dangers of going to a professional sporting event is, uh, you know, they're well-known. They're prevalent. And then, you know, hearing about this, you know, it just it's very sad because, you know, her kid was just crying because the kid had to listen to his, his – I don't know the gender of the child, but his or her um, mother scream just in agony and pain. Yeah. I, and just hearing that, I mean, I'm sure – just the scene of the event and then for the athletes just trying to 
get back into the game after something that bad happens. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like you know that simple of a task. Yeah, and you feel badly for the player because obviously he didn't mean mm-hmm. to do that. But that just broke. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this also did remind me. So, so the, I bring that up. We're talking about uh, things that are potentially dangerous that usually aren't. <coughs> and you may remember back in 2002 during an NHL game, uh, a young girl was uh, hit in the head by a puck that was deflected up into the stands. And she actually, uh, I think she was killed almost instantly. Um, she was at a Columbus Blue Jackets game against the Calgary Flames. And she was there on her birthday. Um, and she got, you know, she died. I guess she died two days later. And after that, there was, I mean, in almost every hockey rink in the country and in Canada, they put up netting to protect the fans. And so now my question for you, Joey, is do you think Major League Baseball is going to start putting up netting down the first base and third base lines? Because, yes, it was a bat that flew in to the stands, but more times than not, it's actually it's balls. It's not usually the bat. It's the baseballs. And I'm actually, you know, thinking about it, I'm almost shocked that no one's ever been killed by, a, like, a foul ball because – First of all, in some Major League Baseball stadiums, like Fenway, you're right there. Like, the fans are right on top of the game. And a ball come, you know, they have it right behind uh, yeah, home plate. But yeah, down the that's lines. that's everywhere. But down the lines where I remember I went to a uh, – at Coors Field, the Dodgers, when the Dodgers were in town, I went to that game with now my uh, ex-girlfriend. And when we showed one of the ushers our tickets, you know, we were in the club section – uh, first thing they said to us was watch for foul balls. You know, they tell you, they warn you, and I think your ticket to the game is kind of like a, uh, what is that called, a uh, waiver? By buying the ticket, you say that you understand the risks of going to professional yes. sporting event. I do want to mention, though, um, the young lady that was killed uh, in an NHL game, her parents actually received $1.2 million in a settlement uh, with the NHL. So, you know, that ticket doesn't waive everything. But, it, yes, by buying a Major League or a professional sporting event ticket, I, th- you know, I can't speak for all leagues, but you're basically acknowledging that things happen. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, Joe, to answer your first question that after this event, uh, I don't know if they're going to implement it immediately. I don't know if they will at all. But I definitely don't see, I mean, what is that going to hurt if you throw in the net, you know, to cr- cover third and first base because of the dangers of a foul ball, because of the dangers of a bat being uh, breaking and you know and something like this it's a freak accident but you know this this has happened now and who's to say it can't happen again and i think that it i hate to say it but i think it will happen again <coughs> and there will always be people that complain about everything i remember when they put up the nettings uh there were some people that weren't unhappy with it because if you sit behind the net you have to look through the netting now before you could just have a clear look over the glass. And honestly, you don't even notice it. It's one of those things where if you're looking at it, yeah. But when you're watching a professional hockey game on TV or uh, in the rink, no matter what level it is, it's really it's not that noticeable. Unless you do a black one, because that was just silly. There was a few hockey rinks I've seen that have black netting. What's that, the normal color? White. Or is like, it? Or like nylon white. Yeah, because it's, it's, you see through it better. When you have a black one, it's just annoying. I guess, yeah, that can get in the way pretty easily. I remember when uh, they created the new rink here at CU, there, I was overhearing a conversation about <clears throat> what netting. And someone, uh, someone offered up the idea of a gold one or a black one. And they were just absolutely just destroyed by everyone saying that's the worst idea ever and then they went on and they put the ice on backwards but 
It's neither here nor there. Fun fact, the ice at the rec center is on backwards. The logo is facing the wrong way. Is it really? And it would cost like several thousand dollars to fix it, so they're just going to leave it forever. Huh. I didn't even... Did you never notice that? I never noticed you that. You never noticed, because honestly, who's looking for that? I'm going to go look at that now. Is there a picture? If you go watch our uh, our broadcasts, the logo's backwards. Anyways, all right. We'll get to the local news now. Um... Speaking of the weather, oh yeah, we were speaking about a few minutes ago. See, I'm it's right. Facing the wrong way. Told you. It's not facing the fans. It's facing the scores table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not the way to do it. All right, Laramie County officials are inviting <laughs> residents and property owners of Southern Laramie County and Northern Boulder counties affected by last Thursday's tornadoes and huge rainstorms to attend a disaster assistance center meeting in Berthoud um, Tuesday night. That that was last night, actually. They had a meeting last night to talk about that. Uh, Larimer officials said in a news release that representatives of various county departments and state... Sorry, that's tomorrow night. Today's not yeah, Wednesday. Was, today's Monday. Yeah, today's Monday. today was Wednesday. It's Monday. I'm, he said it was last night. I was like, wait, It's what? tomorrow night. Um, Larimer officials said in a news release that representatives of very various county departments, state government agencies, and nonprofit agencies will be available to answer uh, questions from those who had damage to their property uh, during the session, which will take place between 6 and 8 p.m. at the Berthoud Community Center located at 248 Welch Avenue. Um, you need to obviously have some information with you if you can, uh, you know, if you can bring insurance information homeowners insurance all that type of stuff um you'll basically be given a brief summary of what happened thursday's event and you know what kind of damage there was done you know ways to deal with it and also you know community members uh can have their individual questions fielded uh, about assistance boulder county also will have a flood relief staff available at the birth and meeting to address questions about damages to homes and other properties uh unincorporated boulder county residents whose property was impacted by floods winds or other damage as a result of the recent storms and who have questions about repairs to their properties are being asked to contact the boulder county flood Flood Rebuilding and Permit Information Center. Uh, you can contact them at floodrecovery at bouldercounty.org. <coughs> so, again, uh, there's a meeting tomorrow, uh, 6 o'clock, at the Berthoud Community Center, and it will be representatives of government and nonprofit agencies who will be there available to answer your questions and provide information about assistance um, after the recent damage because of the storms. And I'm sure everyone's seen the pictures that have made the round on the local news or in the newspaper or on social media media there was actually baseball sized hail in some parts of the state of course there was the two tornadoes that hit down in longmont uh so some you know some big time damage so if, if you need some help um maybe you can't make the meeting you can also go online to helpcoloradonow.com and uh yeah there are, there's also if you, if you want to make a donation for uh helping people in relief maybe you weren't affected but you have a few extra dollars lying around and you feel like you want to help out uh you can also go online again to helpcoloradonow.com Boulder County Sheriff's officials are reporting that a search crew discovered a body believed to be that of a missing 86-year-old woman who was suffering from dementia. The body believed to be that of Elaine Hitchman was found in Left Hand Creek, according to sheriff's officials. Left Hand Creek runs along the north side of the neighborhood where the woman lived, and there are several small reservoirs east of the neighborhood. Investigators from the Sheriff's Office and Boulder County Coroner's Office are investigating to see whether additional information about the death can be determined. Uh, next of kin have been notified, and further information about the 
cause of death and the identity of the body will be released when that becomes available. County officials ended their search for the uh, woman about three hours uh, three hours ago <coughs> this afternoon. Uh, she had been located by a helicopter pilot over on Nimbus Road, about less than a mile from where she lived. Um, she was last seen at 3.30 a.m. at her home, located at 63rd Street uh, yesterday, and she is believed to have walked away from the residence. Some news now concerning the Aurora shooting. A second psychiatrist has now concluded that the Colorado Cinema gunman James Holmes was in fact sane. That's right. A second court-appointed psychiatrist concluded that Colorado movie theater gunman James Holmes was sane when he fatally shot 12 moviegoers and wounded dozens more back in July 2012. Jurors in this capital murder trial are now having to consider these facts. Psychiatrist Jeffrey Metzner testified that after viewing Holmes for more than 25 hours, he determined that the one-time neuroscience graduate student did meet the criteria for sanity under Colorado law. Saying in a statement, despite having a mental disability or defect, Mr. Holmes had the cap- uh, capacity to tell the difference between right and wrong. Metzner joined psychiatrist William Reed, who testified earlier in the trial that the 27-year-old Holmes was seriously mentally ill but was in fact sane when he plotted and carried out the mass shooting. Holmes was being charged with multiple counts of first-degree murder and attempted murder for opening fire at the Aurora movie complex during the Batman film The Dark Knight Rises. Prosecutors have said they will seek the death penalty. Metzner also added that Holmes suffers from schizophrenia, Combined with social anxiety, the defense lawyers say that their psychiatrist has diagnosed him. Metzner also was the first psychiatrist chosen by Arapahoe County District Court Judge Carlos Samore to conduct a mental examination on Holmes after he invoked the insanity defense. So it looks like the uphill battle that was there for James Holmes' defense is (coughs) now even more uphill. Yeah, and Metzner also said that the run-up... In the run-up to the massacre, you know, Holmes had the presence of mind to purchase the two 40 caliber pistols, the pump-action 12-gauge shotgun, and a semi-automatic rifle. And uh, he said in a statement he didn't go out and buy water pistols. And that he also researched the Columbine High School massacre to, to gauge the police response and how much ammunition he needed. Because I mean, and then you can talk about everything that he had set up at his own apartment with the music playing the door unlocked yeah he had booby trapped his apartment and booby trapped it mm-hmm. and um just how everything leading up to that just uh for the uh, da they were using all of that the preparation the planning and the, just how methodical he was to show that he was saying he knew what he was doing and so that's been and now yeah as you said joe the now the defense for james holmes i mean their job just got a lot harder but this trial is going to keep on going for probably, probably a, a little bit longer, yeah. Because even if they do get a uh, a guilty uh, verdict, verdict, there it'll be a thousand. Uh, there'll be <coughs> so many appeals and such. It'll take a long time. Very seldom do you actually see something like the like a death penalty trial go quickly. Uh, the one that I can think of at the top of my head is Timothy McVeigh, who basically said, "Give it to me." Well, and and the um. I don't know the, all the details going into it, but the Boston Marathon bombing one seemed to go by pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, for now, I wasn't obviously old enough to remember, but from uh, research papers I've read and documentaries I've seen, um, Timothy McVeigh, as soon as they got him, he fessed up and said, yeah, give it to me. Oh, well. So, I don't know. Good for him, I guess. Some other local news. Um 
we've been covering the Twin Peaks Charter High School valedictorian that was prevented from giving his speech during graduation, which, again, he wanted to announce he was gay. And school administrators, namely the principal of the school, B.J. Buckman, uh, prevented him from doing that. And over the weekend, they had temporarily set up a crowdfunding campaign on GoFundMe to try and offset uh, maybe some impending legal costs. But a GoFundMe <coughs> page that was actually started by the principal of the Longmont High School, is uh, it was no longer active as of yesterday. The school principal, B.J. Buckman, who is under fire for, for, again, preventing the senior class valedictorian from delivering a speech, emailed the school's parent community on Friday asking for donations to cover what he anticipated to be some hefty lawyer fees and other unspecified items through a GoFundMe page titled Help Support Our School. The page was looking to raise $50,000. When it was shut down on Sunday, though, they had only raised 1000 but from 17 donors. It's not clear at this point if the school or the GoFundMe website took down the fundraising page. It is interesting to notice that GoFundMe has taken down uh, campaigns before that they have found offensive or um, not tolerable. Tolerable. Uh, you may remember making national headlines. GoFundMe actually removed a campaign from an Oregon bakery that was fined for violating the state's discrimination law. The bakery's owners cited religious beliefs in refusing to make a cake for a lesbian couple. So GoFundMe took their page off um, to raise funds because they say that in they, they say in their terms of service, "quote No longer will a campaign be allowed. Um, campaigns in defense of formal cha- charges of claims of heinous crimes, violent, <coughs> hateful, sexual, or, or discriminatory acts." Um, the Longmont High School principal has not responded to any request from the Boulder Daily Camera, so we can't get a statement from him. Uh, but it also looks like the family of Evan Young is not going to pursue uh, legal legal action and out boulder and one colorado which are two um, same-sex marriage advocates here locally also have said they have no plans to file suit um and i know that u.s representative jared polis was looking to get the ball rolling on a third party to come in and take a look at what was going on in the school it doesn't look like that will happen in the end um so you know it's unfortunate but it looks like um Young and his supporters are kind of just going to back off on this one. Oh, yeah. Really, there's no indication from anyone involved in this that there was going to be a lawsuit coming. But the, uh, as far as we know, the school principal, just, I guess, wanted to be prepared just in case. <coughs> and we all know, at least my, my school growing up, never seemed to have money. So if a lawsuit came against it, how they would get the money for that, I'm not even quite sure. So, I mean... But what's not known right now, you think uh, the money that was raised, are they still going to get that money? The uh, no, 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 $1,000 from no. 17 different donors? Shut down. Nothing happens. Because it, at, um, in the Oregon case that you mentioned, the bakery, GoFundMe did give the bakery the money that was raised before the campaign was But pulled. this was so quick that I don't think that... <coughs> that, from what I've read, that campaign was up a lot longer, and they had okay. a lot more money raised. But the way that I understand that these websites work, number one, if you a lot of the websites, if you don't hit your goal, you don't get the money. Oh, really? Yeah. And now I don't know specifically what GoFundMe's rules are. I know what uh, you know, uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. What they do is, uh, in a lot of cases, if you do not raise all the money, do you have like a 
timeline? Or? You set up your own timeline. I think there is a max, but uh, most uh, Kickstarter campaigns go from like 25 to 40 days, somewhere in there. And I think, again, depending on the platform, there are uh, max amounts of time and minimum amounts of time, I believe. Uh, but I mean, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked on some of these projects how much they've raised, or like how dumb projects have raised money. There's, I've never actually gone looking into GoFundMe. There, there's some cool things on the internet um, on these pages. Some really cool <laughs> ideas. Some of them are overly ambitious and are asking for tens of millions of dollars, and they will never get that. But it's cool that there's a campaign that you can try and do it. I mean, yeah. It's a way to reach out to it people. Is. I think it's a very bolder thing. <clears throat> I think this website like really works here locally because there's so many upstarts or what are they called? I think yeah, upstarts. Are they called upstarts. There's so many upstarts here in town that there's a perfect platform to try and get that going because everyone's on the internet. Yeah. There's also, the truth is, and I read an article about this, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of money that have no idea what to do with it and they don't really want to invest it in traditional avenues. And so these websites give these people really cool things to invest their money in and to you know help someone who has a great idea just doesn't have the money Mm -hmm. so just saying all right uh some other local news (coughs) boulder police are seeking a man who is uh, being questioned in a sexual assault attempt on 28th street Local police are searching for a man that they think attempted to sexually assault a woman early Saturday morning near the intersection of 28th and Iris. Officers responded to the area of the 3500 block of 28th Street at around 12.15 a.m. Police said in a news release that they arrived to find a 33-year-old woman who told them while walking on a bike path nearby, she had been knocked down by a man who tried to sexually assault her. She was advised, uh, she advised that he fled the area uh, on foot. In the south direction, the suspect is described as white, between 25 and 35 years old, about five foot eight to five foot nine, with a quote-unquote fit build. He was last seen wearing a possibly red T-shirt covered by a black hooded sweatshirt. Anyone with information about the alleged incident or the suspect is uh, asked to call Bullard Police Dispatch at 303-441-3333. And again, uh, you can also make anonymous tips through Boulder County Crime Stoppers, reach at crimeshurt.com or their 1-800 number 1-800-222-TIPS Alright Kind of going off of what we just talked about The City of Boulder announced Monday that it has approved $20,000 in flexible rebates for Boulder Brands Inc which is a natural food company that owns Balance, Evol Foods, Glutino and Udi's among others The rebates can be used for permit fees and sales and use taxes uh, Boulder City Manager James Brodigam said in a statement, we are pleased that Boulder Brands was able to expand its downtown headquarters. The company is an important part of the natural and organic industry and reflects our community values with its strong uh, commitment to healthy and sustainable lifestyles. Boulder Brand Inc. Uh, moved to Colorado back in 2013 and has annual revenue of more than $500 million. <laughs> um, I think most notably is their Udi's Bread. And I was about their, to say their, Udi's. Their Evol, uh, uh, Evol Burritos. Evol is actually love spelled backwards. They're available here on the Ooh. University of Colorado in the uh, grab-and-go. In Evol is? The burritos are, Evol yeah. Burritos? I didn't know that. I, I've seen Udi's. I mean, pretty much everywhere you go you see Udi's. Yeah. Especially in Boulder. King Supers, Whole Foods. Sprouts. I'm not too sure about Trader Joe's. I don't, I haven't been there I in a long know. time, so. I don't care. People, I know people that love Trader Joe's, though. 6.36 p.m. on Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder. News Underground with Joe Paris and Joey Prechtel. 
Uh, we've got a few national items before we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA Finals as well as the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Stanley Cup championship is being contested right now. Game three in Chicago. And that game actually is underway. Tampa Bay, again, leads one nothing early in the first period. They've had a one nothing lead in uh, both, all, I guess, all three games in the series so far. Uh, Tampa Bay and Chicago are tied at one. We'll get to more of that in a minute. But first, the national news. Uh, the number of labs that received live anthrax samples from a United States military base in Utah has risen to 66 in 19 states. Washington and three foreign countries uh, have been given these live samples, according to the Pentagon. Army Colonel Steve Warren, who is a Defense Department spokesman, said 31 people were receiving precautionary treatment for exposure to live anthrax, um, unchanged since the Pentagon's last update on the incident. Warren also added that one new state, Pennsylvania, had been added to the list of locations um, where live anthrax has been sent. In addition to the United States, uh, the drug he's not a drug it's more it's not a drug it's a bacteria pathogen was sent to south korea canada and australia investigators are trying to ascertain whether the inadvertent shipment of the anthrax shipment um, stemmed from a quality control problem at the base no one at the labs has been infected and there's no known risk to the public at this point a number of u.s military facilities for the past decade have shipped what were supposed to be inactive or killed anthrax samples to outside labs to develop countermeasures to what might become a biological weapon the one in utah is the only one known to have sent samples that prove to have live bacteria spores so i think we're we're good i know there's a little bit of panic on social media because there wasn't a full understanding of what was going on but i mean honestly, i'm still a little confused i mean i'm not thing. happy that this happened <coughs> it's kind of disturbing it yeah just looking up anthrax now and seeing some of the like what can happen to you i mean how does I mean, how do you ship live and how do you do that like how do you go about i don't know i mean that's that's just interesting 19 states it's gone across the countries gone overseas yeah it's just very uh wow that's it's a little scary, I guess. But it's more... I'm just curious as to, like... How, does, how do you let that yeah. happen? How do you let that happen? I don't know. <coughs> do you want to talk about some other government failures? Sure. Sure. Okay. TSA failed to identify 73 airport employees with links to terrorism. That's right. A new Department of <coughs> Homeland Security inspectors report found that the Transportation Security Administration, a.k.a. TSA, failed to identify 73 aviation employees with active clearance badges with links to terrorism. The people who were employed by major airlines, airport vendors, and other employers were not identified because TSA is not authorized to receive all terrorism-related information under current interagency policy. The agency's multi-layered process to vet aviation work for potential links to terrorism was generally effective. In addition to initially vetting every application for new credentials, TSA recurrently vetted aviation workers with access to secured areas of commercial airports every time the consolidated terrorist watch list was updated. Furthermore, though, the thousands of records used to vet employees contained such incomplete or inaccurate data uh, as lacking a full first name or missing a social security number that there were some people that fell through the cracks. Um, 
testing showed that TSA did not identify 73 individuals with terrorism-related category codes because TSA is not authorized to receive all terrorism-related information under current law. What? Why isn't TSA authorized to receive all terrorism-related information? I mean, I'm sure there's, like, top-secret information that you're not just going to give to the TSA. But they I should mean, know It's it. really the government just not working well together. It's it's agencies just, just battling each other over nothing. Yeah. And then it puts the people at danger. Yeah. When you have 73 airport employees with links to terrorism. I mean, 73. <clears throat> I mean, even if you had one, that would be bad. I just don't understand how if, uh, you know, if it's missing a first name or social security number, then why not look into that a little bit harder? Why not investigate and figure out, like, who you're hiring or who you're giving access to or anything? I mean, you know, doing the responsible thing. I, it's too. It, I, it's just too easy to not do it. I guess. I don't know. I don't work for the government. I know, but I'm just. It's just like it's. I feel like every other week there's some kind of report or article or thing that comes. This out. This is right after on Friday when I said the TSA gets more crap than I think they deserve. Oh yeah, you were trying to defend the TSA. And A J- little bit. Jared and I just destroyed you. We didn't destroy you, but we disagreed with you. It wasn't Jared. Oh, Jared was here. Oh, that was with Liam. That was with Liam. Well, all of you people aren't the same. Whoa. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just kidding. So That's the TSA has failed again. Yeah. There we go. Right after I defend you guys. Have I you saw seen something on this this uh, the gym and CNN. What? TSA fails to 73, and I was just like, I saw that, and I was just like, I know we're going to talk about that today on the show. And Joe is just going to go after him. <laughs> because that's what I do. I'm no, that is because I defended it. So Joe is just like, oh, wait till Joey sees this. And Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen the video making the rounds on the internet of a Texas police officer who pulled a gun on a teenager pool party? Also saw that at the gym. I saw it on Facebook. A McKinney, Texas police officer has been put on administrative leave after a video has surfaced on the World Wide Web of him (coughs) forcing a 14-year-old girl to the ground, kneeing her in the back, and then drawing his gun on others who came to her aid. In the seven-minute YouTube clip, the girl can be seen confronting the officer, who was one of dozens of cops who were sent to deal with a group of teenagers who had gone to a community pool that they were not supposed to be at. The now-suspended officer, who has been identified as a Corporal Eric Casebolt, used profanity grab the girl by the back of the head and force her to the ground before kneeing her in the back. The, le- uh, the teenager later spoke to the local Fox affiliate KDFW saying in an interview, he grabbed me and he like twisted my arm on the back of my back and he then shoved me in the grass and started pulling the back of my braids and I was telling him he could get off me because my back was hurting really badly. The incident on Friday evening began with a report that there were multiple juveniles at the Craig Ranch North Community Pool who did not live in the area or did not have permission to be there and were refusing to leave. After a group of police officers responded to the call and encountered a large crowd that refused to comply with police commands, things got out of hand. A formal investigation into the incident has been started and Case Bolt has been placed on administrative leave pending the outcome of the investigation. An adult male was arrested for interference with the duties of a police officer and evading arrest. Everyone else uh, who had been detained by officers, including the 14-year-old girl, were released to their parents. If you haven't seen this video, go look it up because 
I know there's a lot of articles making the rounds right now about how this isn't a race issue. It was just kids that okay i guess i didn't it didn't mention i didn't mention this the bulk of the kids that were being chased down and tackled into the grass were african-american hispanic or arab now you can there's no white kids in this video that are getting tackled now incidentally the young man who was taking the video was white and he told local tv stations that he felt like he was a ghost because police officers looked at him and just ignored him because what? How often do you see a police officer just being openly filmed during an incident like that and not really caring? Never. There's always, you know, the police officer always comes over and tries to get someone to stop with the filming. Yeah, always. So I know there's been a lot of commentaries going around the web saying that this wasn't a racial issue. It was just that these African-American teens were just not supposed to be at this community pool and it wouldn't have mattered if they're african-american yellow orange black penguins they shouldn't have been there that's not what i'm arguing that's not the issue the issue here is that you can't have a police officer tackling 14 year old african-americans into the grass handcuffing them to trees and like treating them like criminals when they haven't done anything okay let's say okay let's say the worst case scenario they trespass into a pool you're really gonna pull your gun on a group of kids who are trespassing into a pool are you kidding me in the video that you can see on youtube you can clearly see the police officer pull a gun yeah he he pulls pulls a gun gun. because uh he has the uh teenage girl on the ground and then two of her friends come over two males come over and you know both teenagers as well probably around the same age maybe 14 15 years old and he immediately just pulls out his gun, and, you know, that's when they run away. And it's just like, I don't, I don't understand why this type of force was necessary. Or why he thought it was necessary. And then two more cops get involved after he pulls the gun out. They start to chase the males that ran away. And then he just goes back to the 14-year-old girl and shoves her back down into the ground. When she was already on the ground. Yeah, it's like this continues to go on. If you're a police officer, stop. Stop. What do you do? Like even even if you think you should pull a gun, don't. <coughs> don't pull a gun. Pull pull a nightstick. Pull a flashlight. Never pull a gun on a group of teenagers a in the taser. light of in a light of day. A taser. Don't they have tasers? Well, I don't know if this guy had a taser on his belt, but he should have he should have done that. I mean, there was that whole, you know, controversy for the Fruitvale station, but that's a whole different story, so. You can't pull a gun on high schoolers yeah. in a suburban Texas neighborhood. Who by the way were trying to run away in like flip flops and swim attire. Who and if you're trying to say, Oh, they might have had weapons, you can see their entire body. Yeah. There I mean, on no the females especially. Hide. On the females especially. Right. The males, you know, had, like, shirts and, like, swim trunks on. But the, the way swimwear is these days, especially for females, they're not hiding weapons on them. So that's not a valid excuse. I needed to pull a gun because I thought I was in danger. What are you, someone going to beat you to death with their flip-flop? If they do, we'll worry about it when we cross that bridge. So there you go. There's your racism isn't dead rant of the day. Some other promising news about this country. Police are questioning workers at a maximum security prison in New York following the escape of two convicted murderers. <coughs> Governor Andrew Cuomo told the U.S. television network system on Monday they needed the assistance of someone. Hundreds of employees and construction contractors are now being investigated to determine if someone provided power tools and other things needed to escape. 
Governor Cuomo added, I don't believe they could have acquired the equipment they needed to do this without help. Richard Matt and David Sweat used power tools to break out of Clinton Correctional Facility in Denamora, New York, on Friday night. The two men cut through the steel back walls of their cells before climbing along the catwalk to reach a series of pipes and tunnels, which they then began their descent out of the prison. The pair climbed up through a manhole into a nearby street, disappearing into the darkness about 20 miles south of Canada. So there is some belief that they may have gotten into the great white north the new york post reported today that a female employee has been questioned and removed from her post a source tells a local newspaper that the uh the man richard matt um has a way with ladies and that this may have been the way he got his way out is by enlisting a female accomplice yes so right now new york state is offering one hundred thousand dollars for information that is found helpful so if you're up in the uh you're up in the new york area and you want a hundred thousand dollars try and find these guys they also left uh, post-it notes taunting but, uh, the police officers but uh, be careful be careful don't take yeah. the law into your own hands yeah i mean you know as you say like try to find these guys i mean don't don't go above and beyond i mean they are they were convicted of murder, both of them. David Sweat was serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole for a 2002 <coughs> murder of a sheriff's deputy. And Richard Matt was serving a 25-year sentence for kidnapping, killing, and dismembering his former boss from 1997. And guess what? Richard Matt has actually escaped jail before. <coughs> he did it back in 1986 while he was serving time for assault. Which is why this time they were in a uh, was in this, you say maximum, this is maximum security. security prison. Not so maximum security. Maybe they should send them to the uh, maximum security prison in Colorado. What's well, the, that's uh, that's for the real bad guys. That's yeah. for the terrorists and the serial murderer i mean that's like isn't that like one of the top security prisons in the entire world adx in florence i believe so yeah should we isn't it yeah it's there's there's some uh some bad i've seen that uh, documentary on netflix of uh russian prisons the toughest russian prisons i actually haven't that is intense what they do if you were curious who is in florence colorado right now well, you can look up who's there. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. The oh. big big one is Zacharias Musawi, who was a senior Al-Qaeda member who basically was one of the guys that planned September 11th and actually uh, obtained flight lessons for the uh, hijackers on 9-11. Uh, you know, there's a lot of terrorists. And domestically, um, Theodore Kaznicki, who is the Unabomber, the Unabomber is... He's in Florence serving eight life sentence. And so is uh, Terry Nichols is also in Florence. He's serving 161 consecutive life sentences for helping Timothy McVeigh carry out the uh, Oklahoma City bombing. And um, But the guy that um, I just saw this on CNN a few weeks ago, it was, oh, God, I forget his name. Hmm. It was this guy. He knew about it. He didn't say anything. He didn't plan it out with the with, um timothy mcveigh or terry nichols Nichols. oh no 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 no. the third guy now he's in like the witness protection program he's he's he has a different name he i think they i don't even think they mentioned where he lived i don't think they can say where he lives uh like even what state talking about ruby ridge no the okay well joey's gonna look that up yep um 
there's a lot of conspiracy theories as well surrounding the Oklahoma City bombing. There's actually a book by uh, con- Janet um, Davis called The Third Terrorist, and it's it's actually a conspiracy theory connecting the Middle East to the Oklahoma City bombing. <coughs> I mean, there's conspiracy theories literally with everything. It's an interesting book from what I've seen. I mean, there's conspiracy theories dating back to uh, Pearl Harbor. Well, yeah, it was an inside job. I'm just kidding. Pearl Harbor was not an inside job. I saw I saw um, an essay, an essay lying out on a desk my freshman year as I was leaving Chem 140, and the I you know I wasn't reading it by glance, and it said something along the lines of World War II is an inside job, and I really wanted to pick it up and read it, but no, okay, so here it is. Mike, his former name was Michael Fortier, I think that's how you pronounce it, and he had a relationship with the bomber of the Oklahoma City bombing. And it was his, and he decided, he knew about the bombing before it happened, and he did not alert authorities prior to the attack. So there's oh, a lot he of, was in that CNN documentary. Yeah, right. there's a lot of people that believe he should uh, <coughs> be in, you know, prison, but instead he has, he's in the witness protection program. He just knew about it. He knew, exactly. He didn't yeah. help plan it, he just somehow yeah. found out. I think Terry Nichols might have said something to him. I don't know. So, anyways, uh, 653, Radio 1190, KBCU Boulder. We'll get to sports real quickly, but big day on the tech frontier. Apple has announced iOS 9, as well as a new Apple streaming music service that is expected to compete with Spotify. Um, The new iOS 9 is promising a smarter version of Siri that will make uh, Siri more contextually aware and making her less dumb, basically, which I don't... Does anyone really even use Siri for actual, uh, actual things? The only time I ever use Siri is when I'm driving and I need to call someone. Shouldn't admit that because that's illegal. <laughs> is you it? Know, to talk on the phone? While you're driving? I thought it was illegal to text. No, you can't. You have to have hands free. I didn't know that. Well, now you know. Well, I just incriminated myself. There you go. Someone on someone on this show famously incriminated themselves once. Well, yeah. I have a Bluetooth device in my car. Well, then you have to use that. But I would still have to use Siri because I don't want to touch the phone. Yeah, you, uh, you're just supposed to like have a button on your steering wheel that you can have do it. No, my phone. No, my car's not that fancy. It's a 2006. <coughs> There's not Bluetooth in the car. It's a device in the car that I got for Christmas. And I broke the charger for it today, so I'm going to have to go buy a different charger now. Oh, the one that we used when we were driving down to the uh, Avs game? Yeah. Oh, that was thinking. A little speaker up above? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Bluetooth. Real quickly, weekend box office coming in at number five, Mad Max, Fury Road. Number four, the new Entourage movie opened with the $10 million weekend. Coming in at number three, Insidious Chapter 3. They brought in $22 million for the third installment of the horror series. Uh, Second weekend at the box office, San Andreas, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, brought in $25 million. And number one at the box office, debuting at number one, Melissa McCarthy in her movie Spy, that actually, uh, it's done really well. Yeah, I mean, one weekend and $29 million. Well, review-wise, too, not just money-wise. Oh, review-wise, too? Yeah, it's done really well. That's, that's good, because I know her last movie. Oh, what was her last movie? Um, I just know it did not get good reviews. Her last movie did not. I know that much. Should we talk a little bit of hockey? Or how about the NBA? Talk a little bit about the... Okay, we'll do a score update, and then we'll talk about the NBA. <coughs> score update. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Chicago Blackhawks and the Tampa Bay Lightning are tied at one with four minutes to go in the first period. You can catch all the action on NBC Sports. 
NBA Finals, go. NBA Finals. So, last night was game two in Golden State. Everybody thought that Cleveland didn't have a chance because Kyrie Irving in game one fractured his left kneecap, is out for the remainder of the series. He is he had surgery on it, and uh, so he's recovering. Hopefully he'll be ready by next season. Should be. Uh, but, yeah, game two was very, very exciting. Back and forth throughout the entire game, and it was almost very reminiscent. You thought Cleveland was going to blow it again in regulation. I did, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, technically they did blow it in regulation. Uh, they had an 11-point lead with about three and a half minutes remaining, <clears throat> and Golden State went on a 15-4 to run uh, in that remaining three and a half minutes to tie the game to send it into OT. LeBron James missed a uh, buzzer-beating layup, and then Tristan Thompson was not able to get the uh, tip in after LeBron James missed. LeBron James was triple teamed on that layup. I mean, the fact that he got it up was simply amazing. Pretty impressive. Uh, LeBron had a triple-double. I believe he had 39 points. I don't even know how many rebounds or assists. Uh, 16 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, but he missed 15 of his last 19 shots. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, Joe, this game, Cleveland loses without, honestly, the play of Matthew Dellavedova. As funny as that is, Steph Curry against Matthew Dellavedova was 0 for 8. And Steph Curry, uh, I mean, his entire game was awful. He was 5 for 23 from the field, and that includes 2 for 15 from three-point range, which, you know, the MVP was, you know, he's he broke his own record for most three-pointers made in a single season. He broke the record for most three-pointers made in a single postseason. He broke Reggie Miller's record uh, in, like, four less games played than Reggie Miller had. And um, Matthew Dellavedova, I mean, watching him, he is just, he hustles. He never gives up on the play. He fights through screens. Yeah, but he's dirty. Like nothing. He can be dirty. He can be, definitely. That dive on Kyle Korver in the Eastern Conference Finals was a little little weird. And then it looked like he tried to do it again to Al Horford. That's why Al Horford retaliated with the elbow. And then that's why Al Horford was subsequently tossed out of that game, game yeah. three. So Matthew Dellavedova in back-to-back games took out two of the better players for Atlanta. But that's that's the Eastern Conference Finals. Did you see the YouTube clip of LeBron James traveling as he walked over center court? Uh, no. Yeah. I saw something on Twitter about it, though, that someone said, and y'all just saw LeBron travel on that uh, inbounds. Okay. Joey, I'm going to have you live react to LeBron traveling. Huh. Are you kidding? <laughs> How do you miss that one? Two, three. Oh. LeBron James receives an inbound pass, takes three steps before dribbling, and then starts dribbling just because he's LeBron James and he can do whatever he wants. But then the, uh, the refs did somewhat make up for it later in the game when Andre Iguodala fouled LeBron so hard on a shot attempt. I mean, his, Andre Iguodala's arm came down, smacked both of LeBron's arms. The ref was standing probably is about as far away as you and I are, Joe, right now. Arms which length is like, Yeah little bit over arm's length. Not that far away. And the ref didn't call it. LeBron was just aghast that and you know, they go back and see all the replays and Jeff Van Gundy even made the comment that he's never seen a star of LeBron's status not get those calls that every other star gets. And you know, I saw something today of a former NBA referee said that LeBron has the ball so much throughout the entire game that the ref simply cannot make every single call because of his strength, because sometimes he acts like the, co- the contact doesn't affect him. 
So as an NBA referee, if you you can't stop the game every time he has the ball because he yeah. gets fouled like every time he gets the ball, pretty much. But he can take it. But yeah, exactly. And so the NBA, the former NBA referee, was saying that uh, LeBron James' own strength is uh, sometimes used against him because the NBA refs would be like, "Well, he got through it just fine." Like, you know, LeBron's final stat line was eleven for thirty-five from the field, which is what I was saying to my friend last night was a uh, Kobe-like. Because Kobe's the kind of guy that you know would jack up a lot of shots and everything. But, uh, you know, LeBron did finish with a triple-double, and they finished with a win in Oracle Arena, which is very difficult. That series tied at one. Game two tomorrow. Game two tomorrow. Right now, NHL playoffs. Game three. Game Game three. three. You're right. NHL playoffs going on right now. Lightning and Blackhawks. Catch it on NBC. Scores tied at one. Joe Paris alongside Joey Practical. That's the end of our hour. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a good one. Boulder coming up next is, I think, Testosterone Detox with Kate. You're listening to Radio 1190 KBC Boulder, The Am Revolution.